We love Jesus. Oh, there we go. Just checking. I mean, I talk to myself a lot, but this time I wasn't. I'm so glad to see you all here this evening. God bless each and every one of you. God is good and has blessed us to attend another service, an opportunity to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And those who are here physically, welcome. And those who are online, we welcome you. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for being so kind toward us. Knowing that it is your choice to be kind. It is your nature to be good to all. Thank you for allowing us to be your children. Thank you for your blessed gift in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Help us, please, Lord God, to be and to do the things that you would have us to do. Give us the strength, Lord God, to remain faithful to you until the end. We thank you so very much for Jesus, and we love you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray these things and thank you for being your will. Amen. Yes, Brother uh, Smith opened us up. Joy, right? happiness, happiness that exudes, that comes from our, our hearts and our minds. Uh, we're going to talk more about that tonight. A merry heart, being happy. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5 tonight because so many people are unhappy with the physical Right, our physical bodies and, and our looks and we complain and, and sometimes that zaps our happiness. And so, um, take care of yourself, right? If there's something that you can do to help to encourage or increase your smile because you are dissatisfied with uh, the physical, then do what you can, but learn to be happy. Learn to be able to look into the mirror and recognize your true value. And I'll come back to that in just a moment. Verse 28. So husbands ought to also, uh, so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. And listen to what he says. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh. But nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. And so, realizing, why do I love, do I hate my flesh? If I am, if I'm dissatisfied with the flesh, well, do what you can, right, about it. But be able to find the happiness and the joy. It doesn't, I mean, the flesh doesn't really amount. You're going to get a new body anyway. <laughs> Learn to be happy and say, thank you, God. Here I am. This is, this is me, and I'm happy. I'm excited about being alive and being able to be called your child. Love yourself, and you will feel better. God made us all differently for a reason. First Corinthians chapter 3. How boring this place would be if we all looked exactly alike. Thank you God that we all look differently. What a wonderful gift. You will feel better if you learn to believe in yourself and trust in God. And remind yourself of these two passages. First Corinthians 3 verse 16. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is who or what you are. You are a holy, sanctified people, special to the God of our of the universe, to our God, and He has decided to dwell in all of His people. Thank you, God. That ought to bring joy to your heart. He does not dwell in the world. He dwells in His people. 
So thank you, God, for that. First Corinthians chapter 6, the second scripture. Remind yourself that you are special to God. And then First Corinthians 6, verse 18. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Know and remember to whom you belong. Right? And realize this. You don't purchase something that has no value. You have value enough to where God purchased you. So remember that when you look in the mirror and you start thinking about your, your body and, and what you see. Find that inner joy and that inner strength in Christ to recognize and understand your true value. First Corinthians chapter 15. This is really important. Choose your friends wisely. Anyone who's in a habit of tearing you down, free yourself from them. They're always bringing you down. you got to learn how to walk away. Because bad company corrupts the mind that intends good. You know, I want to do what's right. I'm trying to do the will of God. And you want to pray for your meal and you're around your friends. And they say, why are you praying? You need to walk away from those people. Or, or you're, you're, you're amidst people uh, from the world and they just, they just don't, they want nothing to do with God. Free yourself from those folks. If they're trying to tear your relationship with Christ down. you got to learn to flee like Joseph. Proverbs, First uh, Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. Do not be deceived. This is a very important section here because it is deception. We often think we're going to change them. And far too often, you know what happens, right? They change us. Bad company corrupts good morals. Do not trick yourself. Do not be deceived. Be careful how you choose your friends. Look at Proverbs chapter 13. And verse 20. I want to talk about friends just a little bit. Uh, for just a moment. He who walks with wise men will be wise. That's, that's an incentive. Right? You want, to, you want to gain wisdom? You want to grow in wisdom? Walk with wise men. The converse is the unwise will take away your intelligence. Don't walk with unwise men. Walk with wise men. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Why? They just run into anything, right? Do things they ought not do. Stay away from bad company. Proverbs 12, verse 26. The Bible says, The righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Again, learn how to stay away. Discipline yourself to stay away from people who bring you down. That's important. Look at chapter 27 and verse 9. Speaking of friends, choose your friends wisely. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. So a man's counsel is sweet to his friends. Uh, it's important to be that, that energy to our friends. right? Strengthen your friends. And it's amazing what will happen when you're down. They'll be able to strengthen you. Make sure you bring Christ into everything in your relationship. He's got to be the foundation of all things. Chapter 19 and verse 4. Here's what you're not looking for. What you should not be looking for is a fair-weather friend. 
Verse 4. The text says, Wealth has many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friend. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who tells lies will not escape. Many will entreat the favor of a generous man, and every man is is a friend to him who gives gifts. All the brothers of a poor man hate him, How much more do his friends go far from him? He pursues them with words, but they are gone. So think about this. A person who's always trying to get something from you, maybe that's not a friend. Or perhaps you're trying to always get something from someone else. Maybe you're not a friend. That's not what friendship is about. Friendship is about sharing and growing in Christ. Friendship is about being a, a friend of God and being willing to help those who are in need. It is not the one who despises you because you have nothing that you'd ever consider your friend. So imagine, church, how great a gift that we have that we can offer friendship to those who can't offer us anything. Isn't that what Jesus said? You know, instead of inviting those over who can give you something, Invite those who can't give you or pay you back for what you've done. We have an amazing position that we are in as God's children. Proverbs 18 and verse 24. A man of many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. How often do you tell yourself that you're happy? Turn to Psalm 42. You know, that that really helps a lot. Uh, Self-talk is so... So powerful, but, you know, we, we've heard often, you know, that, oh, if you talk to yourself, and I, I'm going to keep mentioning this over and over again, if you talk to yourself, they say you're crazy. But you got to admit, every team, right, competing, they talk to themselves, right? They get around the huddle, and they tell themselves, we can do it. And then their coach tells you, tell yourself, you can do it. We do it in sports all the time. Why shouldn't we do it as children of God? Tell yourself that you're happy. Remind yourself of who you are. Take that self-talk and allow the power that is there to remind us of our blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. The Psalms, when you read the Psalms, that's a lot of self-talk. You know, like I mentioned, you know, David starts off with, oh, here they come, and and what am I going to do? And and then he goes into the negative, and then he moves to the positive and says, oh, but, but God, and he reminds himself. That's what we have to do. Look at what he did. Psalm 42. Here he is uh, fleeing from from Absalom. Verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. He said, you know, I'm in despair, I'm in exile, and and he was down, and you just read the whole psalm, and you go back and read the the, the book of Samuel, and you read about it, and he's fleeing, and and he's starting to talk to himself. He said, why are you in despair? God's going to do it. God is going to help us. Verse 9, I will say to God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O oh, my soul? 
And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. You see how he's, he's reminding himself. He's like, oh, I'm in despair. Oh, wait, wait. Why are you in despair? Well, because this is why I'm in despair. Because I'm struggling. I'm fleeing from my, my son and all these troubles are here. No, wait, God is my rock, but God has forgotten me. No, I'm going to make it. You've got to tell yourself in the end of all your complaints. You have to remind yourself that God will never let you down. You have to bring this joy and happiness into your heart. Psalm 34 when you can remember that the situation that you're in is not the end, right? When you can remember that and you can remind yourself that whatever situation you're in, it's here for a season and it's going to move out of your life. When you remind yourself that God blesses his children and that we always win. If you can remind yourself to keep looking to Jesus, continue looking to Jesus, then you can walk around with a smile on your face. Because you know God, not me, is in complete control. And I can be happy with that. Because I know that when God is in control, I know the end result is we win. Right? Psalm 34, verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord... And he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I want to read that verse again. This is kind of how that verse reads. I sought the Lord and he answered me. I mean, right? He's excited. What? Jesus. I sought God and God, God answered me. Not my friend. Not the guy next door. Not when I call your phone and you pick the phone. Not that person. God answered me excitement joy and then he goes on to say in verse 5 they looked to him and were radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed why because they looked to god when you look to god see instead of looking at our situation that we're in look to god when you look to god that's when you find true joy Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We have every reason to be happy as God's people. And I know that when we say every reason to be happy, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have those moments in our lives where, where trouble comes and you're trying to find that joy. And sadness is in our hearts. But eventually that sadness has to become mingled with joy because God is in complete and total control. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 4. There is, listen, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. But notice it only says there's a time. Not all the time, but there is a time. God wants us to have laughter and joy in our hearts. Joy. And and, and Brother Ken, you're right. Turn to Proverbs 15. There is a major difference between happiness and joy. Uh, I want to talk about that eventually uh, coming up very soon. Happiness in Christ, this joy in your thinking, the joy that leads, the joy that we find in Jesus. It always leads to Jesus. The joy is in Jesus. Joy is in Jesus. You ever, you've done this, I know, because I'm just assuming it, but I'm, I think I'm right. 
you, you bought your, your, your child a, a toy, and then you unwrapped the box, and the child loved the box more than the toy, right? <laughs> you know, you've been there, right? And they found joy in a box. Joy, right? This is great. Happiness for a moment, but joy for a very, very long time. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 13. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. But when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. And so is God's people. When people see us, do they see sadness? You know, those people over the church of Christ, those people are really sad. I don't know why they're so, they're always so depressed. It's a depressing place. I don't think I'm ever going to go back over there. Or do they see joy? And they come here and they go, man, those folks over there were full of the spirit. I don't know what it was, but there was something different about those people. I'm going back. What do they see when they come to us? What do we see in each other? Do we see joy and happiness in Christ because of our position, because of who we are? Or is it just doom and gloom, right? So this is a finding um, in 1994. I got this from, but the Holiday Inn, they were looking for 500 people to fill positions for a new facility. They interviewed 5,000 people. I'm going to Philippians 4. They interviewed 5,000 people. They're candidates. The hotel managers interviewing these people excluded all candidates who smiled less than four times during the interview. And then they applied uh, this same idea, if you will, for all the categories. And if you didn't have a smile on your face during that interview at least four times, and you know, when you go to an interview, you know, oftentimes people are nervous and shaky, and but they, if you didn't smile at least four times, you, you didn't get the job. Interesting. How often do we smile, church? Right? Smiling is contagious. It's contagious. You You cannot look and the face of a baby, and that baby smile at you, and you not just melt inside. Let me prove it to you. Let me, Scott, no, just kidding. You, we know that, right? You just can't do it. It's an impossibility. Smiling is contagious. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Do I have something to smile about? Yes. So the text reads, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. But let me go back the other way. Brethren, the reason why we can smile is because we have the truth. Isn't that great? We have the truth. We, we can smile because we're honorable people. God gave us this, this, this rule sheet, if you will, this word. He says, I want you to live this way, live in a good moral way, do the right things. And we're striving to do that. And we're making God happy. And so God has placed upon us because of the great gift of God, of Jesus Christ. He's reckoned it unto us as honorable people, righteousness, whatever's right. We're doing the right things. You're here. You're doing the right things. You're living your life in purity because God wants you to. And you found the inner joy to do it yourself. And loveliness, isn't it lovely to be in the house of God? Isn't it lovely to be with God's people? We get to experience this on a regular and a continual basis and, and you know, good reputations in the world. This is just wonderful to be a child of God. Isn't it wonderful to be a child of God? 
That is wonderful. In the world, they don't, I know I didn't know. When I was in the world, I didn't think it was wonderful to be a Christian. But oh, when you get to meet God, you say, it's wonderful. It's amazing to be a child of God. Even in, even in trials. James chapter 1. Even in, in trials, you, we read the book of James and you, about this, this time of, of conflict in the lives of these Christians and, and you're looking for the answer and you say, James, you know, you, you are a man of God and, 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 and you know the word and please give us a good word. What should I do? I'm in this terrible, terrible trial. What should I do? And then James says something to you like this. Consider it all joy. What? No, you didn't, I don't think you heard me right. Well, I was, let me explain this. So here's my situation and you begin to explain. Explain it. And then James says, yeah, yeah, no. Consider it all joy. As he repeats what Jesus said, blessed are the persecuted. Right? He's going back to Jesus, the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Well, well why would I do that? Well, because I want you to understand something. Verse 3 Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, now go to Mark chapter 13. So now in your trial, you're struggling and you're, and you're, and you found yourself to be weaker at that moment. But then later in your life, you found yourself to be even stronger when the next trial came. And so the trial that came into your life, because you looked to Jesus, God began to fill you up with substance. So that when the next trial came, you were strong enough to handle that trial. And then when the next trial came, you were strong enough to handle that trial because God continued to build you up. And so then you find joy knowing that God is going to make tomorrow work. And God is going to get me through today. And you remember that and you remind yourself of that. And you know what happens when you keep doing that? Eventually we die and go to heaven. Isn't God wonderful? Mark 13 and verse 13. Here's what it says. And you will be hated by all on account of my name, but the one who endures to the end shall be saved. So, oh, now I get it, Lord. The trial is giving me the strength to endure all the way to the end. Yes. Oh, now I see why I can consider it all joy. It wasn't saying to jump around and go, yeah, I got another trial. He's just saying, find the end. Find the end. The end. Find the big picture. The big picture is God is giving us today what we need to continue to be faithful until the end. And for that reason, we can find joy. Right? Thank you, God, for taking care of us. And then I want to close in Romans chapter uh, 5 and then Romans 8. Romans 5. Thinking about the, the... what a trial does for us. What a situation does for us. In verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith. I love how he, he starts that. Remember your position, right? Not that I'm perfect, and not that I did it greatly in anything, but, but I've been justified. I've been justified. So that means that God, God picked up all the slack. And it may have been 99%, but it doesn't matter. God picked up all the slack. I've been justified. Therefore, I've been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom 
we have obtained our inheritance by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Here it is again, right? Oh, wait, we're finding this joy in our tribulations. We're exalting in our tribulations. Yes. Why, Lord? Why should I do that? Well, because tribulation brings perseverance. He that endures to the end shall be saved. You see the connection? In other words, you, you, you can't come to Jesus today and then give up tomorrow. You gotta serve Him until the end. And so it's a joy to look out at members who've been members for a while and to see that they're still here. There's some encouragement for us, right? We can go rub shoulders with some of our older members of the congregation. And not only this, verse 3 again. But we exalt, also exalt in our tribulation, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. But before you get to proven character, you got to go through some stuff. Right? you got to go through something. And it will build our character. And hope, in verse 5, does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. It doesn't disappoint because God has never, ever let us down. He's never let us down. He never will let us down. And so we can find joy in Christ. We can find happiness in Jesus. We can find this amazing relationship in our God. Some folks thought, Romans 8, some folks thought that because of the uh, the strictness of the relationship with the Lord, when you read Romans 8, you know, it talks about the law of Christ. It talks about living in the Spirit and not the flesh. And those of the flesh uh, cannot live in the Spirit. He's talking about the contrast in our spiritual relationship with God. And he's talking about the difficulty of, of being people who are under this order of life, right? And all, all through all of that, he, he ends it in verse 31 and following, where he, he says, what shall we say then to these things? You know, to all the difficult stuff of life. If, if God be for us, who's against us? There's the joy. Okay, so, so here's the trouble that's in my life. It's right here. But there is, there is joy. And the joy is, if God is with me, who can be against me? God loved me so much and loved you so much that he did not spare his own son to save you. That's a lot of love. Think about that for a moment. He loved us so very much, that verse 32, that he did not spare his own son so that we could be saved. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? He already proved it to us. You, you don't have to ask yourself, well, is God going to take care of me? And does God really love me? And, 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 you know, if God is for me, who can be against me? Is it really true? You don't have to ask that question. He already sent his son. And his son already died on our behalf. He's already proven it. Thank you, God, for not only the evidence but for the amazing gift of mercy. In verse 33, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is he who justifies. I need that verse. 
Because you see, when you read Romans 8, folks are accusing these Christian people. They're accusing these Christian people of ungodliness. And God says, they're not your judge. Don't worry about them. I am. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? Don't worry about Satan. Thank you, God. See, what God is saying is, we don't have anything to worry about when it comes to judgment day, when we stay faithful to the Lord until the end. Stay faithful to God. Stay true to God. God is the one who justifies. Thank Him for reconciliation. Thank Him for justification. Thank Him for picking up the slack, if you will. Verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ, Jesus, is He who died, yes. Rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also interceded Now, I want you to realize this, 34, verse 34, okay, Jesus, I'm being hated because I'm trying to serve Jesus, and as a result, my faith has been shaken a little bit, and I'm struggling, but I'm still trying to serve Jesus. Don't you think Jesus appreciates that? Now, here's my child who has done nothing against other individuals. But he's being mistreated because he declared himself my child. And he stayed true and faithful to me. And then God reminds us, don't worry about it, church, because Jesus is the one who will judge us. Thank you, God, for that. And he's been here. And he's done it. And he knows what it feels like. And he knows struggle. And he knows temptation. He's been here. So then this, the scripture picks up with excitement. In verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or anything you can name? Oh, okay. Wait. Nothing. Or nakedness or pearl or sword. Just as it is written, for thy sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced, not I'm thinking about, not it's a possibility, but I am convinced. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things Present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, just take a life, a good picture of your life, and recognize the big picture of your Christian life. And remind yourself over and over again, This stuff that I'm going through today is only going to be here for a season. Let me find joy in Christ. Sometimes we have to dig for that joy, I know. Sometimes it's a little more difficult to find that joy because of our suffering. But if you have to dig, dig to find the joy that's in Christ. There's no greater joy than being in a right relationship, being justified, and reconciled by God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's no greater joy 
than being able to know that when this thing ends, when this life ends, when this world is no more, when it is over, God has a place that he's prepared for his children. And for that reason, I've got every reason to find and have joy, a merry heart, and happiness in my life and a smile on my face. The lesson is yours. God bless you. Thank you for your time this evening. If you're not a child of God, we invite you to surrender to Christ in the waters of baptism, allowing him to bury you, raise you up, and make you new by the grace and through the grace and power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.